a Highline podcast. This is Ravel, a roundtable show about the complexity of faith in the age of information. My name's Josh. I'm Stephen. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of American Christianity, and we still keep thinking about how to take it seriously, even as we leave some beliefs behind. We think theology should be an exploratory dialogue, so our hope is that this podcast will encourage growth, both for individuals and communities. We don't have all the answers, but we're here to sort out as much as we can over a drink or two. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. Welcome in, friends. Josh and Emily, welcome in. Glad to be here again with you in this space. Yes. What are you drinking today? I'm two-fisting it per usual. My first beverage is a nice glass of sweet tea. It just sounded really good today. I don't know why. So I'm satisfying that craving. Um, And then my other one is the classic eggnog, just like last time. It's that time of year. And I, I just love eggnog so much. And luckily, my husband also loves eggnog, if not more than me. So we're stocked up. Are you guys hard eggnog drinkers? Mm, oh, mm, I've tried it and I'm okay with it, but it's, I'm not a huge fan of it. Mm. I know it's disappointing. That's all right. There's grace for that. Thank you. Josh, what are you drinking? Uh, I am currently drinking a, I don't know what to call it, but I mixed together some rum, some spiced rum with some lime LaCroix. And I took some strawberry lemon simple syrup from work. And I also put a good dash of lemon juice in there. And it's pretty sweet. Not going to lie. I think I overdid the the syrup, but Mm -hmm. it's tasty. So I like it. It's good. Curious. Rum is not what I was expecting, but yeah, actually that would be pretty, that's pretty good. That would be a a good combination. Yeah. I'm into that. Yeah, it's pretty tasty. Nice. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain this, but it almost has like a little bit of a, like a Coca-Cola element to it. Mm -hmm. There's something lemony Mm -hmm. about Coke. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I get that. I'm keeping it simple tonight and enjoying a key lime LaCroix, which I think is- That's what is I used for my drink. Probably. I think it's the best LaCroix flavor that I've discovered so far. They should just stop making new flavors because it is the best one. <laughs> I am a pretty big fan of the hibiscus flavor, though. That oh one's my God. Good. Ooh, You've got to be kidding. I love the hibiscus one. Thank you. You are in good company, Steven. Thank you. Mm-hmm. No. Josh, you've been voted oh off the God. island. Bye, Josh. <laughs> Bye. See you later. Yeah, Emily and I are just going to make this episode now that you've been banished. We're just going to hang out on Hibiscus Island. Amazing. There you go. Uh, Let's see. At the top, some programming notes. Uh, We would like to mention and make everyone aware that we will be taking a one-week break from releasing episodes between Christmas and New Year. So do not expect a ravel to show up in your feeds on December 29th because we will be taking a break. Turns out... A Sabbath, if you will. Nice. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Turns out we uh, we have a pastor that records a podcast with us, and uh, she gets busy around this season. So oh, we're going to yes. give her a slight break from both recording and uh, from like losing our backlog and releasing something then. So yep. taking a break on the 29th. I did also want to mention, because we've been chatting about it in the Discord lately, that we have a lot of... What I think are pretty cool ideas in store for the for the patron group in 2022 to include, but certainly not limited to things like bonus episodes from us, not necessarily needing all three of us to be on those bonus episodes, too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they might include members of the community if we're recording one of our like video hangouts that we want to start doing more of uh, actual Bible study launch we're talking about. Also, um, if you've ever wanted to submit a topic to the three of us to discuss. We're going to allow patrons to do that. In addition to, you know, the roulette episodes are fun, but I think it would also be fun to have uh, patrons have a say in what we're talking about. So we could put potential topics that we have in mind up and then do polls and have people vote on what we talk next. So I'm sure there's other things. I don't, I lost the page in my notebook where I had all the ideas I had, but uh, I thought I would uh, put that out there. And if you're considering getting us a Christmas present, maybe joining our Patreon group 
I think that would be perfect. Oh, there you go. What would that be? Oh, yeah, one week Christmas away. Gift. Oh, my gosh. We're so close. <laughs> yeah. Isn't oh, that speaking wild? Speaking of Christmas, did you guys see that John Mark McMillan released a version of All I Want for Christmas? Is really? <gasps> really? It's what? So it's like, ooh, ooh, oh, my. It's good. It's good. <laughs> you have to listen to it. Well, with that kind of reaction, is it, hell yeah. Yeah. Is it as good as the Mariah Carey version? Or is it better? Um, I don't know how to say that it puts it to shame. Whoa. What? It's really good. Whoa. Like, it's going to be on repeat for me this year. So you should go listen Ooh. to it. Okay. Okay. Deal. All right. Here we go. I have some thoughts for this week. I've kind of been mulling over for the last week my experience of getting very angry on the last episode. <laughs> For uh, for those of you who are just now tuning in, yeah, Stephen was very angry. I got keyed very up. Very angry. I got keyed up when we were talking about persecution in America, because I don't really think much of that exists. Oh, yeah, that's right. For American Christians. And I've been reflecting on that experience of anger, and I think we've tangentially breached the topic a couple times on other episodes, but I kind of just wanted to open the floor today for a discussion about anger and what place it has in our lives, Christian or not. But if you are a Christian, I'm kind of thinking about how anger can fit into our response to the world without us having given up any of our own credibility or influence, I guess. Because I'm reflecting on being that mad about and at Sean Foyt last week. And I just never feel like I'm my best when I'm coming away from a flare up like that. So I'm kind of wondering, like, I feel like I've heard Christians debate this over the many years I've been a Christian, but like, is it possible to be angry or let anger inform your actions without that becoming sinful? Because I would probably honestly say that I've like, through all my reflection of what came out of me last week, like, I think that revealed to me some legitimate things that I need to repent of it when it comes to anger. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, so... Emily, what do you think? Uh, You don't strike me as the most angry person I've ever met. (laughs) And I would love your take on this as a pastor. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess one of the first things that comes to mind for me is what do I get... Like, what do I personally get angry about? Because, Josh, I would probably agree with you that I am not the most (laughs) angry person ever. But the things that I do get angry about are those things that I want to say they matter. Like they're like big, big hot topic issues. You know, like I don't get angry over, you know, like a sports team losing. Like, sure, I get upset, but I don't get angry. But I get angry at like racism and I get angry at ageism and sexism and like how we treat other people and Mm -hmm. things like that. And one of the things that I admire about anger is anger with any emotion, I think, can be a thing that can fuel you if you do it, I don't want to say appropriately, but in a way that is actually, get ready to mark it on your bingo cards, (laughs) life-giving. So like a cheesy example, but it kind of makes sense if you think about it, is the Hulk. You know, there's that line in the first Avengers movie where he's like, that's my secret cap. I'm always angry. And like you think about that and you're like, oh, that means, you know, you know, what does that mean? Can he just, you know, flick of a switch turn into the Hulk? Well, no, I think it's he knows how to keep his emotions in check. And he knows Mm. that anger is that thing that fuels him to do better and to like strive for better and when necessary to Hulk out. And to <laughs> and to let yeah. that anger become the thing then that is sustaining you in that moment. Now, I'm not saying we should have anger be the thing that sustains us because we're not the Hulk. Like we don't have gamma radiation <laughs> flowing through our body and we can turn into giant green men and women. But I do think there is a place for anger where it can fuel you to want something better and to want things to be better. And I think it, it's a delicate balance between fueling you 
and consuming you. Hmm. I like that you're touching on that anger is an emotion. And I think that that's really important to recognize. Like you're reminding me of the movie Inside Out where you see into the mind of a little girl who's experiencing all of these emotions. And part of the lesson that she learns is that it's possible to have mixed emotions about something. And you can let a certain emotion just completely drive you and take over. One thing I'm reminded of, which I really relate to a lot, is the book Unoffendable by Brant Hansen. I know I've mentioned it before, but it is like, I love that book. I think it's an incredible read. Like, even one of my buddies who is (laughs) much more conservative leaning than I am really loves that book. Like, I think it is like, there's something universal in what he's trying to get at, I think, in that he makes an argument that doesn't feel like an argument, but I think it is. He makes an argument that if someone's going to strive after following the example and the loving teachings of Jesus, then we should conclude that we should not be angry. And it comes at it from like multiple different points of view, like kind of (laughs) demonstrating that anger is not a fruit of the spirit or that like it's possible Mm -hmm. to have passion for justice without being angry. And I think that anger is often painted as like such an extreme emotion, like almost like ecstasy, but the Mm. opposite. And I think that some people think that you have to be angry to get things done. And I don't think that that's true. I would agree. Yeah, I hope that's not true because I I find myself even uh, feeling a greater sense of even just tiredness. Sure. I I was very mindful of coming off of last week's recording and being like, I am way more tired tonight than I have been in the past on a Sunday when we record. And the only thing I could think of was like, yeah, I kind of let my lid get flipped a bit, right? And like, yeah, I even remember having that moment um, where I was like, I need to calm down. You guys go ahead and talk for a while. Hmm. Yeah, I, I certainly hope that anger isn't the thing that needs to drive us to do great things mm-hmm. or even to do mundane things. I also think that we can distinguish between discontent and anger. Oh. Mm. Like you can yeah. be really discontent with how something is and want it to change or want to move on. I also liked pointing out like anger doesn't necessarily always equal passion for something. I liked that distinction you brought, Josh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, discontent, passion. I'm kind of wondering now, are there other things that could be tweezed out of anger? Because if we're trying to define it then, right? Like, passion isn't necessarily anger, but you can be passionately angry or discontent. So Brant Hansen brings up this point about, like, people trying to tie back the wrath of God or Jesus's anger. Like it does say in a couple places that Jesus got angry. Like uh, flip- it does. He beat me to it. That was in my notes. When he flipped the tables. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice, nice. And his argument that he falls back on is God has the right to because God can be angry and not sin. And just because God can do something doesn't mean we can do something. Mm. And mm. I see what he's trying to say, but I do think it's a little flimsy. But I feel like when Christians talk about anger like they love going back to God's wrath. So I think that like if you're going to talk about it from Mm. a theological perspective, I I do think it's important to touch on the concept of God being angry because God is depicted as being angry in the Bible. Mm. Right. And anger, just like any other emotion, is God given. Hmm. Hmm. That that could potentially be a hot take. Say more about that. (laughs) What what do you mean? Every emotion is God-given. Is lust an emotion? No. Okay. I think lust is framed as misplaced desire. Yeah. Because hmm. I think there's a I think there's a difference between emotion and mindset. Okay. Oh. And I think that's how I see lust. I don't know if that makes sense. Sure. Okay, so say more about what you think about anger being God-given. So I'm thinking, you know, like like inside out, you know disgust, joy, sadness, anger, fear, like those are things that we as beings who are created experience those things, which I would then say, you know, God gave us the means to experience it. So I would say that those are emotions that are God-given. Okay. Hmm. It is interesting because I think that a lot of Christians do love to be angry. Yeah. Whether it's about theology or politics or 
<laughs> being angry at other Christians. <laughs> like, it's just so, mm. it's common and it's easy. And I, I really understand it, honestly, I think. But what I don't think is touched on a lot on the topic of anger is Jesus talking about how he equates anger with murder. Like, if you have mm. anger in your heart, you might as well have just mm. murdered them. Yeah. Which I think is fascinating. Like, if you take the Bible literally, like, if you literally believe that, hmm. <laughs> like, you just shouldn't be angry. Like, the implications of that are huge. <laughs> right. Yeah. That also colors, though, turning the tables in the temple. That passage, that story usually gets interpreted as, like, no, this is why righteous anger is allowed, but, like, whatever God was, or whatever Jesus was talking about when he said anger is murder, like, that's different, though, because Jesus got to do it. Hmm. You know, but maybe he was just discontent with the way they were treating the temple and acted out of that. Was that anger? Hmm. Do we? Okay. I, Emily, I actually really like this framing of emotion. I think what you're headed toward is like emotion is more immediate or maybe short lived. And then, but that can engender a mindset. Yeah. Or like a lifestyle. Because, like, I honestly had never. I've never heard that framed that way in the context of lust. Cause like, I remember, I remember being a hormonal young man and wanting to like look at porn and ogle ladies and stuff. And I always felt tremendously guilty for that because it was like just noting, noticing a woman's chest in my mind was lust. Whereas mm. I think what you're helping me kind of reframe reparenting in a way, because I'm just like letting my, teenage self have permission to <laughs> let the hormones do their thing is that like that lust as a lifestyle becomes something that you know like we talk about like porn addiction mm-hmm. and that's and that's where like maybe maybe a few moments of desire right like emotional moments lead to the lifestyle but it's not necessarily so like when when Jesus talks about anger because he frames lust the exact same way. Lust is like committing adultery. What's what would be the difference then of acting out of an emotional, an emotional angry place, and allowing that anger to become the lifestyle? And is that what Jesus is saying? That becomes murder in your heart because mm. now you're just poisoning everyone. Hmm. I gotta think on that, Josh. If you have something. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. That's a good thought. I would probably say yes. Like that that makes sense to me. I think that the emotion is what sparks the mindset and then that in turn creates or influences a lifestyle and yeah. like how you live. And I think there are ways that we can monitor or be be mindful of when we are crossing that threshold of okay this is no longer just an emotion like i'm now continuously engaging in this and it's becoming something bigger than just this one time thing or it becomes something that is necessary to like for you to have what you feel like is a normal day right right i guess another way to frame it is like the difference between recreationally enjoying a drink with friends in an alcoholic. Sure. Right? I mean, anger is one one hell of a drug. <laughs> it's really right. easy to get high on that, right? Like it gives you all like a dose of all sorts of chemicals in the brain that prepare you for action, gets you all hyped up. And that's what I was feeling last week when we were talking about persecution and like the the, the payoff isn't something that I want to like I I want to find excuses to get angry again so that I feel that again in the same way like I, I, I've i had conscious moments in my life where I'm like I need to cut back on drinking because I'm starting to look forward to the drink that's waiting for me in my fridge after a bad day at work mm. and that's not how I want to treat alcohol but I can see that coming right and I think that's probably the difference and maybe you know if we're talking about it mm-hmm. emotion versus lifestyle that's probably another way to frame it yeah what do we make of Jesus like flipping the tables in the temple and like getting angry at the money changers? You know, just did a lot of thinking about like the difference between like a moment of anger and 
letting anger become the thing that runs you. Do we allow Jesus to just have that one? Like he got angry and that's what we like to frame as righteous anger. He gets a, he gets a pass on that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I do. Hmm. I think it reminds me that Jesus is human. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, Yes, here's this fully human and fully divine. And while he did all these miracles and that's all fine and dandy. Do you think he was in a state of out of control or do you think he was still in control? I think he was still in control. Do you mean like human in the sense of like he was expressing emotion? Yeah. Or in that his anger was imperfect somehow? Both. Mm, okay. I think it, I think it was both. If every emotion is God given, somehow, I don't think that's necessarily a sign that Jesus was human. Then, by expressing anger, well, I guess that depends on if you think that God experiences emotion anyway. Mm, like yeah. the Bible seems to depict, but also like how how did the biblical writers know that God was experiencing emotion? You know, mm. God told them, Josh. Yeah, true. Okay, okay. So, if we go with that. God told them also, I think, uh, the, like, Imago Dei theology is probably really easy to take and say, like, oh, we're created in God's image, therefore God must be like us. And we feel emotion, therefore God right. must feel emotion. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think going back to the whole Jesus and flipping tables bit, I find comfort in that, in knowing that there is someone who gets it like someone Mm. who's mad at what is happening around them. And yes, there probably could have been other ways of getting the point across, but I don't know. There's something memorable about hearing and reading of Jesus flipping tables (laughs) in the temple. Hmm. There may be something too about like the proximity Well, of course, he's in Jerusalem where he's about to be crucified. He's also like, as far as I remember the story, like days away from actually being crucified. And I've I've heard this moment in the temple with like flipping the tables preached on and essentially like he was acting in control and choosing to do something that would get a lot of attention. Hmm. I think my experience of anger, the reason I ask about the control is that I often feel like there's a, there's a threshold. There's some sweet, there's like a sweet spot between, oh, I'm angry. And then like tipping past just being angry and going out of control with it. And not necessarily, I don't know, like, I think I've heard people try to say it's, it's like actually demonic possession to be like out of control, angry. I wouldn't necessarily say it that far, but like different parts of me take over. Mm. And I'm not sure if Jesus Mm. was experiencing the same thing or if I want him to, you know. What would happen if he did? Hmm. Like, how would that change your image or understanding of Jesus? I think in a way what what it is is kind of enough in like what you said, like it's a reminder that anger is human. And that it's something that can be expressed. Part of me wonders too, though, if if there's something to be said for the fact that he didn't, uh, to my knowledge, he didn't hit anyone or like target a person, but he was going for the establishment. And the way to do that was like to symbolically flip the tables full of money. Um, I think of the expression like I was seeing red. <laughs> I don't know if Jesus was seeing red. And I think that seeing red is what I'm trying to point out is like the out of control nature of it. And that's like giving yourself up to something other than the Holy Spirit or other than the influence of God, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break to say a few thank yous. Then we'll be back to our conversation. Thank you to our generous patrons for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Y'all are such a huge encouragement to us. If you'd like to support future episodes of Ravel, visit patreon.com slash Ravelpod or by tapping the link in the show notes. 
thank you to everyone who is giving five-star ratings and thoughtful reviews on Apple Podcasts, and to everyone who contributes to our weekly discussions at RappelPod on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, much love to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music in full color. And thank you to the Highline Media Network for having us as one of their founding podcasts. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, Keller's Couch. Oh my God, actually, she just got here. It's my friend, Terry. Hey, Terry. Oh, hi. I'm oh. Terry. Hey, nice Terry. to meet you. She's, oh my God. Yeah, as you can tell by her interesting accent, she is actually from Germany. Yeah, <laughs> you said it. So, Terry, I was just telling them about this new movie that's German. Oh, yeah? Oh my, oh yeah. my God, Terry, oh, you're from fun. Germany. I bet you might have seen it. I have seen Every single German movie. Yeah? Yeah, it's I called... have starred in a few of them myself. Oh, what? Yeah. Terry, oh my God. It's very exciting. Jeez. So, Terry, do you belong to a nude colony? <laughs> and now, back to the conversation. I think anger is so interesting because I think anger needs an object. Mm. Almost in the same way that lust does. Like, if you're... I think that's... Like, why there's a little bit of similarity for me. And maybe that's what Jesus is getting at. Like, if you are going to have such a targeted extreme emotion at an object, thoughts become behavior. And Hmm. you will act out in a way that you don't want if you continue down that mindset. And that's, that's really interesting. But I think one of the things that befuddles me a little bit that I don't relate to is people being angry at God. Hmm. Like, I feel like I've gone through... A fair amount of belief change and can even be like open to agnosticism and like embracing uncertainty. But I I think what I don't get about being angry at God is it. I want to be careful about how I say this because I don't want to like invalidate some people's experience of complicated faith. But I, in my experience, anecdotally, people who are angry at God often tend to be people who are denying that god exists in some ways like almost like they're angry at the hypothetical god Mm. or the god that they were raised with Mm. or like whatever it is like it almost seems like those two are happening in tandem versus like the person who adamantly believes in god existing and god creating and jesus and and they're also angry at god now that might be out there like some people in that venn diagram might exist but it's fascinating to me to think about people being angry at God as an object, period. Like, I don't relate to that. Like, I've been... What, just because there's no feedback? Mm, yeah, I guess so. But also, like, it's really easy for me to understand being angry at a circumstance or a person. Like, I think Jesus being angry at the tax collectors or the money changers is being angry at kind of both. Like he's angry at the people in the situation mm-hmm. hmm. almost equally, it seems, or like Steven, you were angry about Sean Foyt, or it's really easy. I think to be angry and upset about circumstances like relationships or a job or something like that. But it's often, it's often accompanied by something super tangible. And I think what's interesting to me is that there seems to be a wide array of people who feel such an extreme emotion about God, who arguably is not very tangible. <laughs> like, mm. like, what would be the equivalent if you believed God? It would almost be like, it's almost like being angry at math. Mm. Or like an abstraction. I don't know. I, it, I think that's what's funny to me about it is like, it's, it's hard for me to even like conceptualize what people feel. But maybe that's just because I don't relate to it. I don't know. Like, I've been angry before. And I've been confused at God or like, God, why is this going this way? Like, I don't understand. This doesn't make any sense. But I don't know. It, it is interesting to me. And it's interesting to me that it seems to be such a common occurrence, too. I think it's I'm processing as I speak. So if it doesn't make sense, I'm apologizing. I think don't apologize. It's... That is literally what podcasting is. <laughs> I think it's a way for people to process something that is so complex. So, you know, when you say I've been confused at God 
That makes sense. And I think anger is one of those things. And I'm sure there are other things too that I'm just not thinking off the top of my head. But I think anger is one of those things where there's a threshold of basic human understanding and trying to share that with a being or a th- or some abstract idea or person that you don't get like immediate feedback from or it can be contextually based mm-hmm. and so you know like i can be angry at my spouse that's cuz he's like standing in the room and i can see it and i can take in the information that he is then giving me and i can process through that whereas with God, yes, we have the mechanism of prayer and we have scripture to read and we can try to understand, but that again is so complex and it's all interpretive that I think when people say they're angry at God, that's the best that they can try to understand how to express that emotion and to discern what it is they're feeling and wanting to experience with God in those circumstances and in those moments Hmm. have you ever been angry at god emily oh yes (laughs) (laughs) and you know and maybe it is one of those things where it's more of the circumstance but i say like i express by saying i'm angry at god Hmm. and i think it's just a way for Hmm. me to cope and for me to try to understand what is going on because it's things that we should know is going to happen it's things that like we've heard of or we've been around before and yet in the moment there's something that happens that just triggers something deep Mm. that you had never felt before and so the only way to process that is to say well i'm angry at god Mm. because obviously if you're angry at the circumstance but you can't change the circumstance it doesn't you don't get a sense of relief by saying well i'm angry at the circumstance but i think there's a sense of relief when we say well i'm angry at god mm. because we know that it's an abstract element that we're speaking to and not something that's like concrete right there in front of you oh yeah i've definitely been angry at god yeah i wonder if it's a way i guess josh if if there is a lack of any real object to be angry at, and yet you're still experiencing it. I think I've found the expression of being angry at God as like a nice relief valve of sorts, mm. you know, like for lack of a better object to be angry about um, with two miscarriages in my family's history, mm. for lack of a better target, it's really to me, it's actually comforting that God is willing to be a punching bag for a while. And that's how I've experienced it. And I think like our miscarriages have taught me a lot about like the theology that actually lives in my bones and that doesn't just like float around in my head all the time. Like being angry at God was a way to teach me that like what I've always, it it was a way of like letting it really sink in what I believe about the action of the cross taking all sin, all hurt, all evil, all darkness out of circulation. That's my favorite way of saying it because like to me it feels it feels really nice to know that God isn't bothered by my being angry. And probably to Emily's point, God would probably understand that it's not really him that I'm angry at. It's just I need a target, you know, I need a punching bag. Mm-hmm. You know, just willing to take that and just take it out of circulation cuz otherwise Otherwise, I think if God wouldn't allow that, uh, I think there would be a lot more bitter people in the world. You know, some of that gets expressed in bitterness. Like you were saying, like a lot of people like to be angry at God and it kind of just makes them angry people. Hmm. But I think understanding what's happening for me, like it let me get that all out and not let it like poison me in the process. You know, Hmm. that was my experience of that for sure. Why is it such a trope that Christians are angry? Huh. Like, <laughs> like, sure, righteous anger. Mm. Sure, Jesus, like, tipped over the tables. Yeah. Sure, God's wrath. But, like, we're the, I swear, we're the only religion in the world 
to be associated with anger. Like, I mean, not to deny that there's not like fear of other religions out there. Like Islamophobia, great example. Like tons of people mischaracterize Islam and the followers of it and what they actually believe. But like, like it is a trope that Christians are angry. <laughs> like that should not look like we should not be proud of that. Like, I don't think anybody should. Mm-hmm. Like the Bible talks a lot about being slow to anger also. Like it, to be fair, it doesn't say cut out anger out of your life. I think that the Bible, uh, even though they weren't as in tune with what we now call emotions as emotions, but I think that the Bible recognized that anger is probably just an inevitability. Like you're going to be angry at some point. Don't let it get too extreme. Don't, don't uh, kill people in your thoughts. Hmm. Maybe like try to pump the brakes a little bit. Think about what you're doing. But like, uh, even though I, I think that the Bible does arguably argue for some things in life, I don't think it's arguing for anger. I en- yeah, I, could, I can understand that. Is it as simple as just anger is a hell of a drug and it can feel real nice? Maybe. And that's why Christians are known for that. Yeah, unfortunately, right? Because like, I also think of the... Uh, the passage that says they will know who you are based on your love for each other. Right. We, we sing that song after every service. Have you heard that song? Really? No. Part, well, one verse is we will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand um, and they'll know we are Christians by our love. It's, it's kind of cute. And we all, it's all great because we all hold hands in the sanctuary and we sing it together. And then I give my little benediction and we all go our merry way. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it is ironic, though, that that's like what we sing. And then uh, our Twitter feeds tell a very different story. I don't know if I agree with you, Stephen, that anger feels good. Like even you were kind of talking about how like after the fact, like you kind of felt like crap. Yeah, but in the moment, though, that and that's what I mean. Yeah, like, that's true. I I don't like the feeling of having been drunk last night, but I like mm. the feeling of being drunk. I think it's attractive too because it feels so easy. Like in yeah. group out group, yeah. us versus them, it's so easy. And I think we like easy. We didn't even talk about we haven't even talked about yet about the uh the Enneagram angle for the three of us and if that informs the way we think of anger at all. Oh. I feel like the fact that I don't get angry really, I think that that really solidified me being a nine for me. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I would be right there with you since I'm a nine too, Josh. Yeah. Like I, uh, even like when I feel hurt by people, it's so rare for me to feel angry. Yeah. I, I don't even know how to describe it. I just like don't feel anger. Even if I like don't want to talk to someone. Do you have moments of like blow up ever? No, I definitely don't relate to that. Like I don't feel like I've ever, <laughs> I don't feel like I've ever been the Hulk. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like. <laughs> I don't feel like anger builds up in me. I don't feel like I'm bottling it down. I feel like I just don't experience anger. Wow. In the same way that other people describe. And like maybe... Those receptors are just turned off. Yeah, or something. Like maybe that's why I don't relate to people describing being angry at God. Like Mm. I understand being discontent. I understand being hurt. I understand being frustrated and like hyper stressed out and anxious. I get all of that. Like I think that I maybe had... a legitimate anxiety attack the other day and I like felt so oh, like wow. I didn't know any other way to describe it like the way that other people have described anxiety attacks before I've been like hmm. well I don't know if I felt that but like now I kind of feel like I have so maybe I'll feel anger someday but like I don't feel like the way that people describe being angry and anger like taking up all of their emotional control like inside out I don't feel like I've ever related to that Maybe in like small ways, in like in a fleeting moment, like Brent Hansen talks about how like the first step of anger is often a gut reaction, like in the same way that happiness or sadness or fear is often like a gut emotional response. And then like we decide what to do with it after that. Mm. So maybe I've like experienced that like small guttural instinct of like, oh, something's wrong. Like something doesn't sit well with me. And then I like try to figure it out instead of like stewing in it. I don't know. Hmm. Mm hmm. Emily, would you add anything to, you know, your experience? You know, in those moments that I felt anger, which has not been often, like not very often, um, I think I can count on one hand times where I would 
identify that emotion and in that moment as anger. Mm. In those moments, it was almost like I was disconnected from myself, where for a moment I was so consumed with what was happening and what I was feeling that I almost didn't feel like myself. Like it was almost like an Mm -hmm. out of body experience. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that feeling. (laughs) You know, I like being in tune with my body. I like being aware of what's happening and what's going on and how I'm processing it. And that has encouraged me to utilize means of processing through action, like through using my body. So I'm actually present in the moment. And so if I were to get angry again, not having that out-of-body experience, but rather utilizing my body in a way where I can recognize and process and therefore cope and, and heal. You know, so one of the things is like through art, you know, or through like a physical activity, like whether it's walking or boxing or things like that. And I am proud of myself for giving myself permission to say it's okay to experience emotions. It's okay to have these moments, but be present, like actually be in the moment and not just floating off and wanting to escape or feeling so disconnected because you're being consumed by the emotion. And it's it's comforting to know. And I think maybe that's one of the things that I find so comforting and attractive when I read the passage of Jesus flipping the tables is I think he was in the moment and he was present and that was how he reacted. And like I said before, were there other things he could have done? Probably, but it's not to say it was the wrong thing. It was just the thing by which he was present. And Mm. I think our emotions are a way for us to be present. They're not always positive, but I think anger is one of those things that could potentially be positive if the means through which we're processing it is positive. Mm. I experience my anger as like, you know, that sweet spot when you're making pasta and it's like, it's simmering just right. But if you like cover it too much or you like bump the heat up just a tiny bit, all of a sudden it's like bubbling over and hitting the the stovetop and like sizzling out. I think anger for me is very much a low grade simmer most of the time. And then I can just have like a, a flash over like that. The, the language of the Enneagram has given me that my anger is, is more resentment than it is something like rage. Huh? And being able to frame it that way has been so helpful for me. How do you feel right now, Stephen? About anger, I should say. About anger. I mean, right right now, I feel very reflective, and uh, but it is it is helping me say some things out loud that I've been kind of sitting on since our last recording. Yeah, that was that really was an experience for me. Hmm. I don't know if my opinion of anger has changed. Right now, I'm in the place in my life where like I don't think anger serves me very well at all. And if there are ways to like transform it into something positive or like to enact positive change or something like that. I haven't figured out how to do that gracefully yet. And, you know, if Jesus was successfully being angry, but still present and in his body, I don't think I could reliably do that enough to actually try and pull that off. You know, I liked, I liked your, your framing of it, Emily, with almost like out of body experience. Mm. Like there's a part of you that's hearing what you're saying when your lid is flipped and that part of you is like, you don't think that. You know you don't think that. Mm-hmm. Why are you saying that out loud? That's, that's insane. Right. And then you look back on it and you, and you say those things. You, you, you do. You, you think you're nuts or crazy for doing it. Yeah. And very often, like, those are, the, those are the biggest moments of regret in the relationships I've let anger drive a conversation or two. Is like, oh, gosh, I said that out loud. And sometimes it's half revealing. It's like, do I actually believe that? And it gives you time to process that. I think that's mostly what's happened over the last week. Is like, do I really have this much resentment for a guy I've never met who are who is doing things that mm. I don't approve of? 
or is there some mm. is, is there something here that's teaching me about me and not necessarily is it all about Sean or is there something about Stephen that's bothering him you know mm. sure like a revealing agent I guess yeah but tonight I'm feeling very reflective and content and safe nowhere close to <laughs> nowhere close to boiling over so it's nice good do the good. two of you have any final thoughts you think as we wrap up here no i don't think so i just like that we engage in topics like this because it can be uncomfortable i think josh you pointed out something i didn't even think of <laughs> anger is one of those things that we love as i think christians we love to be, do, claim. I, I don't know how you want to identify that, but with the same side of the other, like the same coin, I guess, like the other side of the coin is while we love it, like we love to be angry or we just do it so often, we're so uncomfortable talking about it. Like we're uncomfortable with talking about emotions. And I think it's valid that we feel that way for one but i think it's important that we discuss that and we try to figure out why that is and what do we do about that cuz i think it's not enough just to say i'm uncomfortable or i'm angry or i'm happy yeah. you know mm. so i just really liked this this discussion what we didn't talk much about it was brought up but like the idea of god's wrath and if anger needs an object then like god's anger probably needs an object too or wrath or like how how would you parse wrath and anger do you think hmm i don't know i feel like they're used so synonymously sometimes and i don't think that's necessarily true accurate i would say wrath is a like a stronger like vengeful form of anger mm. like a higher up type of anger you use the word vengeful yeah like demanding payback or justice or something yeah mm. that's a big word to give god as far as an emotion that god would feel it is but if you think about like the times that I'm thinking about moments where I've heard people use the word wrath, you know, like you will feel my wrath. You will feel when I think of that, I feel like like punishment. Like you will feel this this chastisement, basically. I don't know. I don't know if that's I don't know if I like that, but that's mm. kind of what just comes to mind. Hmm. So what's curious to me is in the framing, in the classical framing of heaven and hell and like who goes to hell and who goes to heaven, is that like we are objects of God's wrath if we are not redeemed by the blood of Christ and then we just get caught up in the flames of hell. But I'm wondering I'm wondering now especially because I don't believe in that hell anymore. Though I do believe in something maybe like purification or something. I think that's a pretty faithful Christian universalist position. I'm thinking of like the object of God's wrath being the sin itself and not necessarily oh gosh, the sinner. I can't believe I just said it that way. <laughs> hate the sin love the it's sinner. okay you're forgiven but in the same way like i think of you know i've had uh cancer touch my family in a handful of relatives and like the anger that the rest of the family feels toward the cancer isn't necessarily directed at the person who is sick and yet any action against the cancer would be interpreted as violence to whoever is hosting the cancer at the time I guess I'm just extra selling myself on the idea of universalism in that, like, I think God has the compassion and the skills necessary to target wrath, target anger to the sin, to the fallenness, to the brokenness itself without necessarily consuming the host. Hmm. Yeah. Because I've always been terrified of the idea of God's wrath. And, like, I think that's what a lot of what my Enneagram one personality got wrapped around as like trying to be the good little boy so that I didn't like invoke God's wrath. Cause that was a scary feeling for me. Right. The idea that the creator would be angry at me. Hmm. Terrifying. And yeah, that in 
uh, inspired some form of scrupulosity, right, in my actions. But at the same time, that's rule following for rule following's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or avoiding punishment and not necessarily like believing in something positive. And I think like I finally have the positive thing of like God's wrath is surgical enough to get the cancer without killing the beloved in the same Mm. stroke, you know? But I don't think I would have gotten there unless Josh, you would have given me the language for like, Oh, of course anger needs a object. Anger needs to be directed to something. Mm. I like that. Sorry. That became a very long closing thought, but that was kind of the other corner of anger. I wanted to explore was that idea of wrath. Would you have anything to add to that? I guess like I've kind of monologued for a sec. I don't think so. Yeah, me neither. I think though that I think anger is super important to think about. Like obviously like the biblical authors and Jesus had multiple things, some of which sound conflicting to say about anger. And like, we're still thinking about anger 2000 years later. Like we clearly have not mastered it, you know? So I think it's important to talk about. Hmm. Oh, well, excellent. Thank you, friends. I guess at the end, we will reiterate that no episode coming out on December 29th. And if you would like to join the, uh, the, the growing and like close knit community that we have in the uh, Patreon group, that is patreon.com slash Ravelpod. So if you're still listening to this around Christmas time, you do need to go listen to that John Mark McMillan single. Oh, deal. Deal. Oh, okay. Great. Yes. I'm not getting paid to say that. It's just so good. Put a link in the show notes. I'll do that. Emily, do you have a word for us as we leave? I think I do. Yeah. Anger, joy, happiness, sorrow. This is just the tip of the iceberg of these emotions that we experience and we ravel out together. Whether we see them as God-given or not, whether we see them as necessary or not, These are topics worth discussing, and how we feel and how we express those feelings are valid, just like you are. Hey gang, Keller Paulson here. I know what you're thinking. What's going on? Who is this guy? Am I right? Well, I'm the host of Keller's Couch. Now, Keller's Couch is an interview podcast where I, Keller Paulson, interview people I find interesting that are doing cool things in the community. But it's not just that. My friends at Slapstick Improv and myself, we also do some improv comedy and sketch comedy every other episode. So, if this tickles your fancy, why don't you scoot on down? Pop a squat on Keller's couch. Bye. Highline Media Network. Artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.